Hey there, my friends. This is Allison McGee, your host, sitting on my front porch, watching the birds literally shove each other off the bird feeder I put up last week. It took about three days for word to get out. I was very concerned that no birds would ever show up at my new bird feeder. And now I have to fill it every single day. If I filled it three times a day, all the food would disappear too. This is not a small feeder. I had no idea this habit would be so expensive. Anyway, from where I'm sitting on this couch, the brown couch on my porch, the brown couch which is comfy as opposed to the orange futon couch, which looks really pretty but which is the most uncomfortable couch in the history of the world, The porch is kind of its own whole living room sort of thing. Table, chairs, couches, rugs, swing, lamps. There's a whole story behind this porch alone. I can see not only the birds gobbling down their food, but flocks and tiger lilies and black-eyed Susans and primroses and daisies and these gorgeous blue flowers that I have no idea what their name is. Beyond the flowers is the poetry hut. And that is what we're going to talk about today. As a kid growing up in very rural, very far upstate New York, in the foothills of the Adirondack Mountains, books were everything to me. Books written by strangers, filled with imaginary people, whose lives fed my dreams, and showed me worlds I didn't live in, but maybe could someday. My love for books, my reverence for them, is why I so hated writing those weekly book reports in elementary school. To take something that someone had made out of their own heart, in their own words, and boil it down to a plot summary... It was a form of torture. Even as a child, my choice was clear. I could give in to the man and allow my third-grade soul to be crushed, or I could revolt. Which is how I came to write book reports about imaginary books that I made up in my own head, such as The Endless Snow. Most of my books were about pioneer children. It was the winter of 1879, and Sarah Martin knew True Cold... The potatoes in the root cellar had long since run out, and her parents had been trapped in town by the latest blizzard. Her baby brother lay weak and feverish on his pallet next to the meager fire. What was Sarah Martin to do? My fake book reports always got A's, comments from my teachers, sorry, Mrs. Field, like, this book sounds amazing. Why haven't I heard of it before? I had prepared for that question. I had come up with a fake publisher, Crabtree Publishing out of New York, New York. That's where it seemed that all books were published. And if I was queried, my excuse was always, you can't find this book because it's out of print. I saw it on my grandmother's bookshelf. So began my life as a child revolutionary who broke the rules to save her soul. Stories were survival to me then and now. I remain a revolutionary to this day, determined to make the world better with the weapons I have at hand, namely, poems. Because when you think about it, poems 
are the atomic bombs of literature. They're tiny, but powerful beyond measure. This is where the Poetry Hut enters the picture. Years ago, I asked my friend Doug Clow to build me, Doug is, Doug can do anything, to build me one of those little free libraries. And Doug did, and uh, it has a window and a little latched door. I painted it bright green, and then I dug a hole in my front yard right next to the sidewalk, and I quick created a two-by-four into it, slightly crooked because I can't do anything plumb, and I mounted the little hut on top of it. And inside is a basket filled with dozens of some of my favorite poems by Lucille Clifton, William Stafford, Tony Hoagland, oh, Liesl Mueller, Danusha Lamaris, Marie Howe, Ross Gay, Denise Smith, Sharon Olds, Warsan Shide, Lee Young Lee, oh my God, the list is endless, which I print out on colored paper, and then I cut the poems out and scroll them up and put little miniature rubber bands around them late at night while I drink gin. St. George Terroir gin, specifically, and binge watch TV series. Some of the poems, which I print on neon yellow paper, are chosen especially for children because you have to nurture your future revolutionaries while they're still young and malleable. The Poetry Hut gives me the chance to observe fellow poetry people in the wild. Like the guy last night, my daughter and I um, were on the porch, and this man came swiftly, uh, what's the word, undramatically swiftly biking down the center of the street. You could tell he was a bike commuter. Um, he wheeled over to the side in front of the house, leaned his bike against the speed limit sign, tromped up to the poetry hut, opened the door, grabbed a poem, stuck it in his pocket, hopped back on his bike. Clearly, this was something he does all the time. I mean, there was no hesitation. He knew exactly where he was going. Uh, but it was the first time I've ever seen him. Oftentimes I see people walk by and they do a double take and then they sort of backtrack, open the door, stand there reading poems. Some scroll them up and put them back. Some read several and then end up taking one. Some take whatever random poem is in their hand. It's really interesting. Um, there's a neighborhood boy who comes by for a poem or two regularly for his girlfriend when her depression is especially bad. It's his offering both to her and to the poetry gods of comfort and solace. There is an elderly man with a cane who I've seen only once, but who told me when I came across him standing by the hut that he takes the bus to my house once a month in honor of his wife who died last year and who loved poems as much as you do, young lady. There was a group of Somali boys who came by once and stood there reading poems out loud to each other. And when I went out to say hi, they told me they were thrilled to find some Somali poets in the mix because, miss, did you know that Somalia is known as the nation of poets? So over the years, the Poetry Hut is a quiet neighborhood destination. It attracts both regulars and randos. There's a stack of scrap paper next to the poems along with a pen, and sometimes my poem people leave notes behind.
Over the years, there have been hundreds of them, all of which I collect and I keep in my kitchen drawer. One of the very first was a drawing of a man smoking a cigarette, and here's the poem. I write this note by camel light. I wish I may. I think I might. Quit smoking tonight. I have often thought of that unknown man. And, sir, I hope you did quit smoking. Another one reads, Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm 38, and I've never said the words, I love you. Another one, I used to hate poetry, but damn it, you have sucked me in. <laughs> that, one, that one makes me laugh whenever I think about it. It feels so powerful. One note, which also makes me laugh, arrived in October on a piece of notebook paper with these random tiger stickers pasted all over it. Almost every word was creatively spelled. Poem box attendant, in all caps. Halloween is nigh. Time for some Edgar Allan Poe, don't you think? <laughs> and if you're thinking, it's impossible to misspell Poe, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so I feel a great duty to my poetry public. There was no Poe in the box. I obeyed his command, zipped inside, looked up some Poe, printed it out taped those poems to the walls of the hut with a sign for the Poe fan. And next day they were gone, and he'd stuck another tiger sticker on the wall of the hut. And then there was the girl who stood there one day crying, with her hands filled with poems. I went out and put my arm around her. I don't know what she was going through. She She didn't want to talk to me. But she clearly needed poems to help her get through it. She reminded me of me at her age. On the outside, a friendly and happy girl who, lonely on the inside, early on put her faith in the power of story to save her life. Not all revolutions are loud and violent. The poetry revolution will not be televised. The poetry revolution is a kind of hand-to-hand, non-combat, silent offerings from a future, kinder world As a revolutionary, I'll be spreading poems for the rest of my life, because that's what revolutionaries do. And because, as everyone here at Words by Winter knows, it is rough out there, and we got to help each other through. The poems today, and there's more than one, are ones that I just plucked this morning at random from the box where I keep those hundreds of notes that the Poetry Hut people have left in the hut over the years. Almost no one signs their name, but most of them draw a heart or a smiley face, sometimes a tiny illustration of a dog, sometimes a bird. Dogs and birds are very popular in Poetry Hut illustrations. So the scrap paper is usually manuscripts of mine that 
have bitten the dust. Um, I print them out, I rewrite the book, I print them out again, I rewrite the book again. Somehow the act of printing it out makes me more determined to get it right the next time. It doesn't work, but I'm still determined. And so I cut the manuscripts up into quarters and leave them in the poetry hut with a pen. So on the flip side, there's the <laughs> the lost ghosts of all the books in their various incarnations. And on the other side are poems that I think people write on the fly as they stand at the hut. Just read through a few of them. This one is called A Poem. There was a time when I was young and foolish. I forgot that love adorns the pure of heart, where loneliness begot. So true a love have hearts of young, lest we forget the old. For their hearts love where pain subsides, so makes their loving bold. And bold has rays of light around it, hearts beneath it, and then the person says, have a great day. This poem was written June 1st, 2019, by Anonymous. Love that. Here is another one. Even then, sometimes there is no piece of literature, no song, no work of art that can really explain the way you feel. There is a double-edged comfort in knowing that no one really knows. I would agree with you, person. There is a double-edged comfort. I like the term double-edged comfort as opposed to double-edged sword. Here is another one that begins with a little note that says, you do not know how much this means to me. Thank you. I do not know what this refers to, but I'm just going to choose to believe it's the power of poetry. And here's the poem. My heart is open. I break free, wanting and needing something more. If only I could fly. Instead, my love soars above anything. It spreads like a ripple in water. My heart is open. I'm happy knowing I may make a difference. This next one, people, is a classic of literature. I'm sure many of you have heard it before, and you're just going to be delighted and moved to hear it again. Written on a piece of bright yellow paper. Actually, very nice handwriting, strangely enough. Here I sit brokenhearted, tried to poop, but only farted. You know, if you want to know the truth, I think that's probably the fifth time that particular poem has appeared in the box. Always a golden oldie in the mix. Here's another one. Flowers smile, probably. How cool is that one? That little tiny observation by somebody passing by. Here is one written in a way that you realize 
It, it's in the handwriting of someone who grew up in a country, not the U.S. There's a way you can tell. I'm not sure how, but you can. This one is called Fraternity. English is not my own language, but I still try out of gratitude to write some poetry and touch a soul and live in communion in a so divided world. How beautiful is that? This one, this woman left her name. It is Maria Luisa from Brazil. Here's another one. This must have been a time when I had a blue marker that was really running out of ink. It's difficult to read this, but this person persevered, went over every letter twice. I admire that kind of grit and determination. Here's the poem. I met this chick, and she was so sweet, and it was so neat. Smiley face, heart. Now here is an extremely intriguing poem to me. I'm going to read it to you. No commentary. This is what art can do, people. Think Gertrude Stein. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. And here's the last one. Makes me smile. Hearts are meant to be broken. Thoughts are meant to be said. If you had a choice between heaven and hell, tell me you'd choose me instead. Well, we have come to the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending the link to someone else who might like it. And give us a good rating if you're so inclined, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Original theme music for our show is by the fabulous Dylan Parisi. Additional music composed and performed by the equally fabulous Kelly Krebs. Today's poems are all in the public domain, with the public domain being, in this particular case, the Poetry Hut in front of my house right here in South Minneapolis. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through, what uncertainties or troubles you're dealing with, maybe in the silence of your own mind and heart. Let me know so that I can go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way that poems have been helping me ever since I was a little girl. Sometimes life feels too hard, too intense, just too much. And if that's where you are right now, whoever or wherever you are, reach out. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or just write me at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more information, go to alisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter. Conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it's rough out there, and we have to help each other through.